Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Today I do come to you and I, do, I continue to walk with you through 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, this is the third week in a sermon series entitled Connecting with the First Things. Connecting with the First Things. Connecting with the First Things. Really this is more than a sermon series. It's an invitation for you to join a discipleship community to evaluate your priorities, to make course corrections, and to lean into your faith in Jesus Christ. If you were here the last two weeks, you heard Drew preach about the church in Corinth. Corinth is a church that you and I can relate to. It's full of division and debate, dissension and disagreement, discord and discouragement. A church that was on fire with new Christians that is becoming a network of divided, fracturous people where opinion is king and the gospel an afterthought. I suppose everyone in Corinth was feeling like they needed to set everyone else in Corinth straight. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Before you picture someone else and someone that fits the bill in your mind of someone that wants to set everyone straight, consider yourself. I confess that this sounds familiar to me. In some ways, I grew up expecting that it would be my God-given right as someone over 50 to set everyone else straight. I thought when I got old, that's what my role would be, right? Any of you there? Just look at your wife or your husband. They'll, They'll let you know. Sometimes, sometimes my wisdom and my opinion get in the way of my following Christ. Sometimes my wisdom and my opinion get in the way of following Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I still think my wisdom and my opinions are excellent. But sometimes my wisdom and my opinion get in the way of my following Christ. How about you? How about you? I guess it's, it's just fortunate that the Corinth church didn't have social media, right? Uh, Drew, uh, last couple of weeks, or last week specifically, talked about four negative changes that took place in the church in Corinth. He talked about factions. These factions began to give the place of Jesus to teachers. 
other leaders. People began to talk about, well, I follow this person or I follow that person. And, and next thing you know, they weren't talking about Jesus as much as they were talking about Paul and Apollos and all these leaders. The second thing that he talked about that changed in the church as the church uh, got older and more established is that uh, people began to look to teachers for human wisdom and for worldly philosophy rather than look for preachers who preach Jesus. And the third thing that happened is uh, that they forgot about the true wisdom from God, which is revelation. They stopped looking up to God and asking for revelation and settled for human wisdom designed to win arguments. And finally, fourth, they became rivals rather than fellow workers. They forgot that Jesus loves the person they disagree with. Have you forgotten that Jesus loves the person you disagree with? I forget sometimes. They divided the world into those who were right and those who were wrong. And of course, when we do that, we place ourselves in which group? The group that is right. And when they did this, when they did this, they took themselves out of the group to which they really belonged. A group of sinners in need of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Today we read that there is sweet relief for the church in Corinth. It's not that complicated and that's good, right? A church that is way off of course can find its way back. There is a course correction that is simple and if made will change the trajectory of the church and the church people. So let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 18 through 31. Hear these words. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intellect, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, but to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, but to those who are called by God, both Jew and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom. Whew. That's beautiful, isn't it? For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. The simplest way to get where you are going from where you are is to go there directly. So pretty, pretty good wisdom there, right? <laughs> In other words, just go from point A to point B. Don't waste time wandering around looking for alternative routes. As learned Christians, we know that righteousness, holiness, and eternal life are gifts that we receive rather than badges that we earn. We know that the pathway to those things goes straight through the middle of the cross, not through our wisdom or intellect. So here's the good news for you today. If you are off course, the solution is simple. Just narrow your focus. Fix your eyes upon the cross. The cross is foolishness to a world that is trying to get ahead, take care of selfish needs, one-up one another, and hide sin, right? But to those who humble themselves, the cross is revelation. It is wisdom from on high. The cross is life, a direct path of forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 19 in uh, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth talks about wisdom. This comes from uh, a quote from the Old Testament when God pronounced judgment on David's city. If you look in uh, Isaiah chapter 29, you find it there. Uh, God says, the Lord says to his people, he says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're wor they worship me. Their worship of me is made only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intellect will vanish. Paul is quoting that scripture from the Old Testament, and Paul goes on to ask uh, in the letter, in verse 20, he starts to ask these questions. Where is the wise man? We could ask that question today. Where's the wise man? Where's the wise woman? Who is wise? You've been on social media this week? Who is wise? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher? God has, uh, God has not made Foolish, the wisdom of the, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Paul asked. Paul is making a case for a course correction. He's showing how the church is in turmoil. He says to the church, turn away from the teachers and philosophers. Connect with the first things. You are not saved by the many words of men and women. You are saved by Jesus by the sacrifice of Jesus, by the one who didn't turn 
to the right or the left to avoid the cross, but went straight to the cross to take the world's sins upon him that you and I might find a way, not through our own doing, but through the love of the Son, Jesus, for us. Jewish, uh, the, the scripture, Paul says, Jewish people demand a sign from, uh, demand signs, and the Greek people were looking for wisdom. But it, Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But it is a message for all. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and wide is the road that leads to destruction. You've heard that said. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We don't say that because it's, it's an ugly thing to say and it, and, it, and it excludes people. Jesus died for everyone, right? The way is narrow, but the path of love is so wide at the cross. And it includes lots and lots of people that I disagree with, <laughs> right? Jesus died for a lot of people I disagree with. I find great comfort in that. I don't know about you, but it gives me hope for the church. It gives me hope for a Christian community. Why look to human wisdom or worldly philosophies? Narrow is the way, and it runs through the cross where wide is God's love for us in his son, Jesus Christ. Corinth was a very interesting place for all of this to happen. Corinth was a city strategically located. Very interesting place for Paul to go and set up a church and for it to flourish and then for it to get angry with one another, you know. It was on an isthmus. I, I tried everything in the world not to have to say that because it's hard to say. It was on an isthmus between the Corinthian Gulf and the Ceramic. Gulf. You'll remember from your geography class that an isthmus is not an island, but a narrow strip of land that has sea on both sides, and it connects two bigger pieces of land. Corinth was a busy, crowded place because it was only about three miles wide, and it was the easiest way for ships carrying really cool stuff to get from the east to the west and the west to the east. Moving cargo through Corinth rather than sailing around the southern tip shaved off 200 miles and avoided some of the most dangerous waters to navigate. As a matter of fact, sailors would say, uh, if you had to go around the southern coast there, they would say, you better have your will made out. So there were lots and lots of people from all over the place in Corinth. Everything seemed to flow into and out of Corinth. Ships carrying cargo would either be unloaded, carried across the three miles, and loaded to another ship, or I think even cooler, put on a contraption and roll the whole ship across. I'm for that. It had nothing to do with the gospel, but it sounds cool. This was not a boring, dusty place. Uh, think of New York City on steroids. Corinth was, uh, would have been the place that Saturday Night Live would have been shot if they had television. Since it was a place on steroids, Corinth wasn't exactly the best example of a moral city. There was lots of worldly stuff that happened in Corinth. So just as Corinth was important to trade, it was also important to the spread of Christianity. The people needed Jesus in Corinth. There were 
people in Corinth from lots of different places. What I want you to hear is that there was a lot on the line for the church. A lot on the line for the church that Paul founded. People in Corinth were attracted to ways of thinking and ways of living that were not healthy for them. And whenever that's the case and a church is born into that sort of context, there's lots of potential for people's lives to be changed. It's exciting. There's lots of potential for people's lives to be saved from selfish ambition and healthy, unhealthy patterns. There's lots of connect, lots of, of, uh, of opportunity for people to be connected to God who created them and loves them. But it also means that the health of the church and the people is vital. The church must be healthy and focused on the first things for the church to be effective in a busy place like Corinth where all kinds of worldly wisdom and philosophy exist. The church in Corinth, as you heard last week, was in turmoil. The world has crept into the church members' lives, and they're at each other's throats. There's nothing like a good church fight. I've been in a few. I've tried to help a few churches out of a few. I've been a part of the problem a time or two. Trying to help a church find its way out of a good church fight is like sticking your hand in a food processor. Every time you reach out to help, you wish you hadn't. By nature, I'm a harmonizer. I have the Enneagram number to prove it. I'm a nine, which means I like to smooth things over. That means that I usually walk into a church fight saying things like, Well, Carl, I think what John is saying isn't all that much different than what you're saying. Let's break this down, Carl. Really, you are not that far apart. Well, I can just tell you this. That line of reasoning, that wisdom, if you will, Carl is not impressed. Carl is not impressed. Sounds like compromise to Carl. Carl's not for compromise. Carl, Carl thinks I'm weak. Carl doesn't like me anymore. Carl won't, doesn't want me to be his DS or his preacher. I, I'm not sure. Carl's not sure I'm called now. It's like sticking your hand in a food processor. This worldly wisdom, it's, it's, it's not always that it's a horrible, evil thing. It's, it's, it could be somebody like me trying to harmonize things, trying to help things out. But, but what we see in this church that is in turmoil, what we see in this church in Corinth where everything is on the line for the people in the church and for the city of Corinth, what we see is that the only solution is the foolishness of the cross. It's the only place where people don't take sides it's the only place where we're all sinners and, and, and falling short of the glory of God. It's the only place where we all have a need that is met by a Savior who loves us and cares for us and died for us. It's the only place where I can be with people that I disagree and gather at the table and love people who do not think like me. It is the solution and it is the good news, right? It is, it is a narrow way, yes. It is a narrow focus. Our focus is on the cross. But it's so beautiful. It's so different than trying to sail around the southern tip, than trying to find some other way. When we do that, we might as well write out our wheels because we're not living. 
The church is not living when we try to find some other way. You see, we're not building the church. The church has been built. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus asked his disciples in the gospel, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Savior. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. We don't have to build the church. The church has been built through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The beauty of the word that we receive from Paul today is that there is a very simple fix when we get crossed up and upset with each other, when we start choosing sides. Set your gaze above. Look at the foolishness of the cross. I would invite you that uh, as the, these discipleship communities are being developed, some of them are already developed, Sunday school classes and life groups and things like that. We, we make resolutions at the first of the year. I, I do it, you know, no chocolate, all this kind of stuff. But what better way to come alive than to set your gaze and fix your eyes upon Jesus, the one who sacrificed his life, that we might have life and have it abundantly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.